I'd like to look at the topic of forgiveness this morning. And I will forgive you if you keep talking eventually. I will forgive you. No, I'm just kidding. It's such a crucial element of our Christian lives to embrace the forgiveness of the Lord and to acknowledge that we truly are forgiven by Him, that uh, to be released from our sin is something that I think all of us wrestle with because we know how hard it is for us personally to release others. And yet, uh, this is a crucial part of what we believe and what we practice. And so I want to walk through some of that. Um, when I hear someone say, or talk about the big guy in the sky or the man upstairs, there's a certain nervousness in me that comes out of that because I'm going, do you really understand who he is and how awesome a being he is and the privilege we have of even sharing life together? And then also, though, in our circles, there are times when I hear somebody spouting daddy and I'm going, um, my impression of your daddy at times is that um, you uh, use this as a, I can get away with anything with my daddy. And uh, that's not what Paul was addressing when he tells us to call him Abba. You know, but there's a beauty of being able to go to him like a little child, but it isn't just this, because I can get anything I want or do anything I want. But it's this privilege of closeness, of communication, and shared life. And, and so we, we wrestle through these ideas. And the New Testament is built on the basis of the old. So even Paul, when he's making that declaration about Abba, he has all this understanding of the old before he's putting that in expression in the new. And as, as we keep that in place ourselves, then we have this privilege of saying daddy and, and it being appropriate and fitting in a way that's really wonderful. So that said, uh, I want to walk through some of the Old Testament passages and just uh, some of the stories involved with that and then drop into the new for a bit. First one I want to bring up is uh, Moses had gone up on the mountain People start running wild. Aaron builds a golden calf. They bow down and worship it. And then Moses comes down and is like, oh, man, what are we going to do about this? And he goes back to the Lord, and, and he's, he's very noble in this. He says, Lord, if you're going to blot them out, blot me out too. And essentially God says, um, that isn't your call. Now, he does tell him, I'm going to go with you, but I'm going to punish when it's appropriate to punish, and I'm going to carry this out as I see fit, essentially. And there's this knowledge that the authority is in God's hands, and he makes the calls. And so even as we deal with our own lives, there's a knowledge that he is the authority of life. And so he has established a thing. Now Moses goes back up on the mountain and he says, God, I want to see you. I want to know you. I want to know who you are. And God gives him this awareness and, and shows a facet of him, but he, he makes declaration about who he is as a being, and it's, it's really a wonderful statement. He says, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious, <laughs> compassionate, I'll get these words tangled 
the more I try, I'm sure. Compassion and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness and rebellion and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. And there's the tension of our lives, so to speak. There's a recognition that God punishes sin, but there is this wonder that says he delights in showing compassion. He delights in forgiving. He even takes on rebellion and and forgives such a thing. Rebellion is that in your face, I'm going to do this whether you want it or not. And then you come back later and say, "Ah, that was a bad choice. Are you going to strike me down? Are you, you know, what's going to happen, Lord? And he says he delights in showing compassion and forgiveness, even in cases of rebellion. Psalm 79, help us, God our Savior, for the glory of your name, deliver us and forgive our sins for your name's sake. He says, you know, for your own glory, just to give expression of who you are, this this gracious and compassionate God, let it be declared about you again and forgive our sins. It's so wonderful that we don't have to say, I'm doing much better, I'm trying much harder, I think you can really trust me this time, Um, so please forgive me. But rather it's, I know who you are, and I know how much you reach into our lives, and I know how compassionate you are. So once again, make known your name this way and forgive our sins. It's a much better position to be on. You know, there have been a few times in my life where I wonder if I, you know, I've wondered if I hadn't done it this time, so to speak. You know, violated it big enough that, that he's going, yeah, you knew better and I'm done with you. You know, and you can, you can say, well, I know he forgives, but there's something in our hearts that just says, I, I wonder if it's possible this time. And, you know, that, that process may get stretched out because it, in some ways it's, it's appropriate that we wrestle through the magnitude of what we've done. And, and it, it's valuable to us to say, I really don't want his presence taken from me. You know, one of the biggest issues I have regarding Sundays, just to know that my heart is ready and right for what we're doing right now. Because it, it really doesn't matter how well I put together the, the message or how clever, you know, I think I might be. What's significant is if your lives are affected by what we're doing, and that has to do more with him than it does with me. And so it's like, I want to be a decent conduit, but, I'm, you know, I want to be in a position where I, I can be used by the Lord. And it's the same for the worship team. You know, they'll acknowledge that, They want to do their best, but even a very tight music set means nothing except the Lord be there. And so, you know, we have this awareness that we want His presence in our hearts and our lives. We don't want that to be taken from us and and violated, and yet there are times when our sin puts us in a position of opposition. And we have to say, Lord, please forgive me. Release me from this thing.
when the uh, children of Israel were to go into Canaan and they, there was an entry fail. You know, they chose not to. And God says, after all the things I've done, you're not going to exert faith in this. And there's a, there's a, uh, a declaration comes out, and he says, you know, Moses said, please forgive them, you know. And he says, I'll forgive them. And essentially, he says, I'm not blotting them out from my book. I, I, I'm not removing them from eternity. But even in this position, he says, there's going to be consequences here. He says, those that have acted in rebellion are not going to go into the new land. You know, I'm, I'm going to take a group in, but these that have done this, he says, there's going to be a consequence. And, and that, again, is one of the dilemmas we walk through. How much consequence? Well, that's not really our call, is it? But you can, you know, if you violate a relationship with someone, you know, you, you trash talk them and you, you get nasty and ugly and you go back and you say, please forgive me. It doesn't necessarily guarantee that you're going to be able to recover exactly what it, the way it was before, right? You may spend some time building trust again. Or if, if, you, uh, you know, if you take from someone and, and you steal and it, it gets found out and, and you pay the price, you still may not get to build relationship in the same way again. That's just... That's consequence. There's a price to pay for such things, and at times it comes out that way. Now, there's, there is a wonder at times where it's almost as if the Lord says, I'm not even going to apply consequence. And that's a joy, but that's, that's His graciousness. That's not our earned thing, right? And, and so there's this knowledge that we call out for mercy, David, after the sin of Bathsheba, what does he do? He, he says, Lord, uh, please don't let this child die, even though it's been prophesied that the child would die. So he prays and he fasts. The child ends up dying. Then he gets up and goes about life. He says, I prayed hoping that mercy would prevail in this situation and that I wouldn't have to face the consequence of this. But God made his decision. Now I'm going to live with that and move on. Now the fullness of that forgiveness is experienced later when another son through the same union is the one that becomes king. But there's an awareness in our lives that, that there is a price for such things. And yet the beauty of what we have in the Lord is that He frees us from our sin and He moves us into health. And He takes away the 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 cloud or the separation that's between us and allows us opportunity to, to walk in fellowship with him. The book of Joshua, I'm going to get just a couple more illustrations. The book of Joshua, at the end of Joshua's time, so they've conquered most of the new land, and he's giving his last words, and he says, you can't do this. You're incapable of living with a holy God. You know, you, you go after other gods, he's going to punish you. That's the price of living together. And they're going, we will serve him. And, and the idea is, we know what it is to have his presence with us. We know the benefit of such thing. We'll make this covenant. We are going to serve him. 
Now, they were partially successful, but the, the, there's still this understanding that it is so precious to have the presence of God in our lives that we want to make this declaration that says, I will live for him, I will walk in his paths, I will do what he asks of my life, that I might have his spirit in my midst. Micah says this, Who is God like you, who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You'll tread on our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the depths of the sea. He says, we may be struggling right now because of what we've done. But he says, we know that you are gracious and compassionate and there is a different day coming. And it's as if our sins are in the sea. They'll never be seen again. They, they just will be gone. Psalms 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. This breaks allusion to another concept coming through the Old Testament of sacrifice, where a blood sacrifice was given so that sins might be forgiven. And this is a steady thing. And, and you know, when you read the Old Testament, you see over and over these sacrifices that are given. But that said, the New Testament carries through that idea. And Jesus, in making his sacrifice, says, this is my, the blood of my, the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. They're participating in the Last Supper and there's this declaration going out saying, what I am doing is new. He says, I'm paying the price for you. Hebrews carries the idea of the blood covenant much. It gives explanation to what the old was doing. He says, in fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. And so they're alluding to the work that Christ has done. Later in Hebrews, For by one sacrifice he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. I like that idea. Perfect forever those who are being made holy. Seen as perfect in his sight, cleansed by the blood of Christ, being made holy. <laughs> Development, you know. Not... Not uh, without fault, not free of error, but being made holy, being brought into health with him, being brought into the wholeness of what's available in Christ. That, uh, that said, I want to note next just a few of the, mess the early messages of the New Testament. Okay? John's message. He appeared in the wilderness and preached a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. What was the essence of John's message? He says, we need to repent of our sin and receive forgiveness from God. So, you know, one, one declaration. What, what's John's message? What's the importance of it? Repentance and forgiveness. Okay, let's go on. Jesus when he gives us the Lord's Prayer, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. You know, it's, it's, 
if you take that as a form for prayer, then somewhere in our daily application of prayer unto the Lord, there's this walking through of life experiences, releasing and being released. You know, of walking through and saying, I was sinful in this area, please forgive me. And then looking and saying, I was wounded in this area by another. I release them as well. You know, and it's that processing and it's ongoing over and over. Why? Because we're imperfect and we live with imperfect people. We wound every day and we get wounded every day, virtually, right? You might, you know, you might have a day where you're off by yourself, you don't see anyone, right? But I mean, by and large, if you're having conversation, there's stuff going on that you're going, that stinks. Why'd they say that? You know? And, you know, rather than keeping a tally, and rather than, you know, this book writing out the wrongs of what others have done, we're daily releasing that and being released by the Lord. We're saying what he's done is more important and what's in store for me is greater than what I have, so I am happy to let go of this, that he would let go of my sin as well. And we walk through that day after day after day. A little later in that same chapter, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Very important principle. Jesus uh, takes it on in, in Luke 17. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. In other words, we release them in the Lord, but there's an appropriateness of confrontation. There, you know, it's not, a, it's not right to just be fearful and say, oh man, I just know this is going to cause troubles if I bring it up. A lot of times that's just fear, right? That's not the essence of faith in God. But there's an appropriateness at times to just say, this is wrong. It needs to be dealt with. Now, expressing the truth and love, that's the challenge, right? To do it not out of just, you need to, to make sure I'm treated properly. But rather this, this overriding recognition that for the health of who we are as people, we need to deal with this issue. But that said, Jesus is going on, he says, seven times. If it happens in a single day, seven times, you've got to take care of this. Peter, at one point, you know, he's been hearing this message, and he comes, you know, how often should I forgive someone? Seventy times, you know, or seven times? And, and Jesus goes, 70 times seven. In other words, as frequently as it happens. Well, <laughs> oh. But that's, that's what our lives are to be about because that's what we're participating in with him. I mean, if there was a limit of seven, I'd be in big trouble. But I'd have good company. Right? We'd all be in the same boat. But we, through this practice and through what we've read in Scripture and, and through what the Spirit makes alive in our hearts, 
there is a confidence that rises that says, I truly am forgiven. He really does release me. And I can come back to him each day and know that the slate is clean. And the wonder of that fills our hearts and there's a confidence about life that says, I'm at peace with him. I have the honor of relationship with Almighty God. And his spirit lives in me. And even though I'm regularly doing stupid things, he, he forgives me. And so it's only appropriate that I let others go when they're stupid too. There's a beautiful story in the book of Genesis with Joseph who was sold into slavery by his brothers, lives in slavery for a number of years, and eventually delivers Egypt and his brothers, you know, the, through famine. When dad dies, the brothers go, uh-oh. You know, maybe he was just waiting until dad was gone. And now we're in big trouble. So they send a message to him. You know, one of dad's last requests was that you'd forgive us. They didn't get it even at that point. They have not truly dealt with their own sin and the evil of what they had done. And in a sense are assuming in their hearts that Joseph thinks the same way. If you are not a forgiving person, it's almost impossible to believe in a forgiving God. In the same way, brothers who had lived without forgiveness and had been quite quick to take vengeance on others, when dad dies, they're going, we're done. But Joseph comes back to him and he says, what you intended for evil, he's not denying that it was an evil action. He's going, oh, no big deal. It all worked out fine. No, he said, you, you planned evil, but God intended it for good, the saving of many people. He says, I'm going to take care of you, and I'm going to look after your little ones. And he's, he's just, he's at a place of saying, God brought good out of this. God saw more than what we saw. God's intent was to, to invest in our lives. God's intent was to use me. I know that he is bigger than who you are. And I know he had control over that situation. And he even took this vile circumstance and used it for greatness. How could I strike back against that? So his understanding of the Lord has a huge part of how he deals with his brothers. The same is true for our own lives. If we truly believe that what's in store for us in eternity, and that all things work together for good to those that love God and are called according to his purpose, then there can be a confidence in our hearts that even when others wrong us intentionally with willful anger, that God can take that event and use it for good. It's a powerful thing because it releases us from having to all the time trying to, to strike back 
and even the score and to live in this vengeance and carry the weight of that. He, he releases us from that if we'll take it. When Jesus is at a Pharisee's house and a, and a woman with a past comes in and, and starts weeping over his feet and pouring perfume on him, the, the man of the house, Simon, is just kind of like, what's he doing? And does he know who she is? And Jesus says, you know, Simon, who, who appreciates forgiveness? One forgiven a little or one forgiven much? And he goes, well, I assume the one forgiven much. Well, yeah. That's why she's doing what she's doing. She knows what I've released her from. Here's one for you. Jesus is on the cross, and he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. That is, uh, I've looked at that at times and gone, I don't get it. I just don't get it. You know, this, <laughs> you're killing the Son of God, and he's saying, forgive them. If Jesus was practicing what he asks us to practice, is it possible that he's wanting to go into eternity without even the slightest hint of bitterness? That even in death, by the hands of others, he's going, that's too heavy a price to, of something to take with. And he's laying out an example of saying, cleaning the slate, forgiving others their trespasses. He knows who the Father is and how he acts, and he's going, that's who I am. It's a powerful illustration an example set for us of just to, for us to acknowledge that even in death, he's speaking forgiveness. Because he knows what lays before him and the wonder of what's ahead. And he's going, small potatoes here. <laughs> and he's releasing it. After the resurrection... He's with the disciples, and he makes this declaration. Repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. We saw that John's message was repentance of forgiveness. We saw that Jesus regularly through life was preaching repentance. Now, after his resurrection, he's saying, the message that you have and what you bring to others is what? Repentance and forgiveness of sins. It's not something that we can release from us ever as a, as a core tenant of our message and our declaration. This is part of who we are as a people. This is part of our expression. Somebody asks you about Christ and your relationship with God, you, you get into that conversation. Somewhere in that dialogue, there's got to be a declaration that Christ forgives our sin as we repent and say, 
I have been sinful and wicked. Please forgive me. As we turn from that sin and say, that's a vile thing and I won't let it be a part of my now and my future. It's past, but it's been washed away. First sermon of the church, Acts 2. Peter goes, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. So again, John the Baptist, Jesus' declaration, the apostles picked it up and carry it on. Paul's testimony. He says, when God called me, and I had that original vision from him, he made this declaration of being sent to the Gentiles. He says, I'm sending you to them to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God, so that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So he says, the essence of the message that he gave me is to declare forgiveness of sins. Acts 13, Paul and Barnabas are sent out, first mission. Paul's sent out as in, under the auspices of the church. What are they saying? I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. It's part and parcel of who we are, accepting forgiveness for our own lives and then also forgiving others. I want to do just a few more verses and then I'll close. Um, there is a corporate sense of this that works within our midst. can't say that I fully understand it, but it is a part of who we are and even practicing together, so to speak. In John 20, 23, if you forgive anyone's sins, they are, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. The church has argued what this really means through history numerous times. I can't proclaim to give you a better understanding. I just know there's a dynamic there of corporate expression that allows forgiveness to take place. And it might be in the declaration that you can receive forgiveness, but there might be an actual ongoing work of this as well. I'm not sure. But let's go on. You can wrestle that through for yourself. Colossians 3. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, that particular congregation had gone through a thing, and Paul said, this immoral person in your midst, you need to toss them out. Deal with this sin. Do not let it just continue. And then you come to this moment where apparently it was dealt with, and the man makes confession and says, I was wrong. Now what do you do? Paul says, instead now, you ought to forgive and comfort so you'll not be overwhelmed with excessive sorrow. In other words, it's not, well, when you've paid enough, then, then we might talk to you again. But rather he's saying, there's, there's a heart change here, so it's important that you bring them back in. 
Take care of this. In that same passage, if any, anyone you forgive, I also forgive. So Paul's saying, essentially, yeah, I brought this up. I forced you to deal with it, but if you've dealt with it, that's good for me. That we're done. This is clean. It's over. Beautiful thing, right? To just say, forgotten. James chapter 5. He's talking about receiving prayer from others. He says, if they've sinned, they will be forgiven. I, some years ago, started presenting this with this idea, and, and I cling to it yet. But I think there are times when in our own sin, we don't necessarily have power to break something on our own. And I find it completely appropriate to go to others and say, pray with me. I need your help. I think that God places within the body a certain need that says it's appropriate for you to bring this out into the open and make declaration and ask others to pray with you that you gain victory here. And it's been our privilege to see that happen regularly. And I'd suggest to you that if you're wrestling with things that you have yet to conquer, then maybe you consider in the Lord to carefully go to someone that you trust. It's not going to blab it all over, but just go to someone you trust and say, pray with me. Help me to, to get a handle on this and to, to come through to victory in this area. But this is, this is part of the promise of what we have corporately, to be able to address things and, and see them taken care of, to see our sins forgiven. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Praise to God. Praise to God. Would you stand with me? If you've been living with sin and excusing it, then you need to deal with it. Seriously. In your heart, if you know this is keeping me separated, every time I go to pray, this thing is standing right there in front of me. Well, then you're better off dealing with it, right? That you can step into peace again? Why... Ignore the elephant in the room. You know, it, um, I've gone back at times and written letters from things that happened years previous. <laughs> Scoundrel that I was. No. <laughs> no, I just, you know, there were things that I couldn't ignore. They kept coming up in prayer. And it's like, I'm better off writing a letter and asking forgiveness than to constantly be facing this thing. But the beauty of it was, once the letter was written, it was done. And I was able to have that sense of peace over my prayer life again. And so I just encourage you, if, if there's something going on that you need to deal with, deal with it. If it needs the help of another, then seek someone out. But here's the other side of things, too. 
If you are having trouble accepting the forgiveness of God, maybe evaluate and say, am I a forgiving person? You know, am I needing to release others? Or am I one of these people that just refuse to to do anything until they come back and bow down before me? But if, if that's clear, surely from the Scripture you've seen today, He is a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in love, desiring to release and forgive you. And I encourage you to embrace that and accept it in Him because it is available. Father, we thank you for your Scripture that speaks life to us. We thank you for the privilege of the presence of your Holy Spirit that dwells within. I ask for each one here as we have looked at this topic this morning that they would know peace from you. That they would have a confidence that their sins are forgiven. There is nothing between them and you. And I also ask, Lord, that if they are struggling with a particular issue that needs others' help, then give them the confidence to say, I can trust enough to see this happen. And also, Lord, we ask that you'd help us to release others who've wounded our hearts and our lives in such a way that it, it just hurts. But we know that you've forgiven us, and we want to release them as well. Amen. I'd like to address one more thing. Sometimes in issues of forgiveness something that we've done will keep coming back to us and there is a a time where we have to acknowledge that this isn't appropriate but on the other hand it may be that God is continuing to want to reveal to us the dynamics that were involved with that that incident and that thing that happened where you know we're going I know he forgives but I keep having to think about this But it may be that he's taking it to a deeper level and saying, I need you to to understand what all went on. And he may be freeing us not only on an intellectual level, but he may be dealing with our emotions. He may be walking us through of this is what led up to this event. This is the way you viewed it. This is, you know, you don't even see this as vile at this moment. You know it's wrong, but, you you know, to truly see this as horrific as far as sin it's not there yet you know I I don't know what that all is but I know I've walked through seasons like that but I also know that he frees us when the time is right and uh, those things get forgotten and that's a beautiful thing so I'd encourage you if you're wrestling through one of those times to say God if there's more for me to see here more for me to know then Let's have at it. Show me what you want to show me. Because what he does is good. And his intent is good. And so when it's complete, it'll be wonderful in him. And so we we submit ourselves in that fashion. Uh, Ryan mentioned earlier, there's opportunity for prayer. If you'd like to have prayer for others, from others, or you'd just like to process something, um, come on up and and, uh, let's do that. What remains is open-ended worship, and we'll just continue in the Lord.
If you need to go, you can go. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullest of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy forgiveness in you and forgiving others. As they go into the community, I ask that you'll give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom. Gift them with your supernatural, I ask. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. We love you this day.